Well, good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Doing good. Good, good, good. So have you ever been lost? I'm not talking about spiritually lost. I'm just talking about good old-fashioned fashion loss. I mean, not just, not just turned around, you know, not just like, oh yeah, I'm just talking, I'm talking about like so lost that you, you don't know, you have no clue where you're at and what to do about it, right? And, and, and if you've ever been that lost, you know that it can be um, frustrating, you know, you get lost, like, where am I? It can be sometimes frightening, like, oh, where am I? Right? You know, what am I going to do, right? But, but if you've ever had that, that moment where you look around and you just, you don't know your surroundings, nothing jars your, your memory, right? It, it, can, it, can, it can make your heart race just a little bit, right? You know, and, and, and the truth is, whether you're lost on a highway or, or maybe lost in the woods, or, or maybe kind of pull back and think big picture, lost just when it comes to life in general, right? Um, the, the, that feeling of, of lo- being lost is a terrible feeling. You know, when, when you're lost, again, whether you're walking in the woods or on a highway or, or maybe even in life, you start looking for things, looking for signs, something that may not be the ultimate answer, it may not be like your destination, but something that can help be maybe a, a springboard, a starting point to get you back on track. Ah, that's going to jar my memory. Ah, that, that, that's what I need. And now, now that I'm, I'm able to kind of get back to, to where I need to be. How many of you remember the days like pre-GPS? Remember those days? I remember those days. How many of you remember your first GPS? I remember mine because I bought mine in frustration, I'll, I'll, I remember the story, right? I was, we were, it was when Cameron was in high school, maybe junior high, and we were taking him to a basketball tournament somewhere in Ohio, and we got lost. I got us lost. And, and I got frustrated, and I got a little angry, and I got a little bit antsy, right? And, and I don't remember all of the details. I just remember paying way more than I should have paid for a TomTom. Remember those? Tom Toms, <laughs> right? But I, I was just determined. I, I don't want to get lost getting to this tournament that we were going to, and I never wanted to happen again. And so you, know, you plug it in and punch it in, and, you, and you, you, you've been there. You've, you bought Tom Toms maybe or maybe not um, because now we don't even need those because you, it's all on your phone. Students, y'all don't know. This is where I'm going to go old guy. Like we used to have to punch into the, into the, into the Google search, like where we were going and would like print out the, the directions and they would spit it out for you and you'd have to keep the directions next to you. Like I'm old guy now. And some of you are like, that ain't nothing. I remember when we used to actually carry a map to get to places. That's old. Ain't I right, Ken? But, but when you plug that, when you plug that TomTom in, and the first time you kind of go off course, how many of you remember the, 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 the hearing TomTom talk back to you? And he, what would it say? It would say, recalculating, right? It's telling you, you've gotten off course, and I'm going to do my job to get you back on track. Today, 
And again, I just stick with the, stick with the analogy here. Today is the day that humanity gets recalculated. T- today is the moment in, the, in, 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 the, in human, humanity's history that there is some recalibrating, some recalculating. Again, just by way of review. Remember this, that we were created to rule with God in this physical world. The highway for humanity was laid out to us by God. Our lanes were made very clear. We were called by God to subdue, rule, and multiply here on planet Earth. But we forfeited that, that, uh, that mandate and gave rule to Satan and sin, right, at the fall. In that, in that moment, we can say that humanity went off-road. Humanity started wandering helplessly with no direction, no destiny, nothing to give them any guidance. It's like getting lost without having a clue what to do. And, and, and we know this, that, that some bad things started to happen when humanity chose and went down its own path. Sin entered, with, entered the world, right? And with that came murder and pride and evil. And eventually God said, I'm going to start all over. And he sent a, a flood and he started things all over through Noah and his family. But then we learned last week about the rebellion at the Tower of Babel. And again, if, you, if you're looking at the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis, you, you would just continue to see this spiraling, out of control, this help, this, this aimless wandering that humanity is, is engaged in. And, you're, in, and if you were to, to begin to, to read the Bible, maybe for the first time, maybe you're reading it like a, a novel. At this point in, your, in the storyline, you, you might ask this question, will we ever get back on track? Will humanity ever get back on track? Well, today, again, is we're going to see God initiating his plan to get humanity back on track, recalculating, as it were. So if you have your Bibles, open to Genesis chapter number 12. Genesis 12, if you don't have a Bible, please stop at the Welcome Center on your way out. We want to give you a copy of the scriptures. Uh, if you are using your phone and have your app, go ahead and keep that open. Um, if, if none of that works, we'll have some of the verses up on the screen. All right? So in Genesis 3 through 11, and we've, we've walked through this in the last several weeks, humanity we see is lost and homeless and helpless. And we see that life without God will always result in, in our wandering. But Genesis 12 we see this rescue begin to take place. The, the, the restoration, the, the recalculating is, is, is set. And so we're going to walk through really just the first three or four verses of Genesis 12. And we're going to try to do it slowly so that you see how it fits into the, the storyline of God. But Genesis 12 opens with these words. Now the Lord said to Abram. Well, let's stop right there. The Lord said to Abram, now again, get you caught up, it's about 200 years after the Tower of Babel. Again, 200 years after what we talked about last week. That's a long time. And we see God speaking. Now, we can run past this, but don't forget, 
God speaking audibly to humans was not and is not a common occurrence. But we see here in Genesis 12:1 that God speaks to a guy named Abram. And what was Abram doing? We don't know. But it would stand to reason that he would have been doing what everybody was doing back in those days. Mowing the grass, working in his garage, maybe cleaning his guns, maybe watching TV. We, we don't really know. But he would have been doing what everybody in those days would have been doing. And God shows up and he speaks He speaks to this Jewish guy named Abram, right? 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 Yes, no? Yes? No. There were no Jews at the time. Right? There were no Jews at the time. He was a Babylonian. Abram was a a pagan. And and again, this is a good reminder to us that, that when God speaks to us, We bring nothing to the table. This was a complete pagan that God just shows up and says, I'm going to work through this guy. I'm going to work through this man. And again, it's a reminder to us, I think, that God wants nothing from us because we have nothing to offer to him. He was a pagan man living in a pagan city. And that should should bring some hope to us. And he was 75 years years old. But as a 75-year-old man married to a woman named Sarah, they had no kids. But God speaks to him. I'm thankful that God still speaks to us today, even when we aren't always listening, even when we are worshiping the wrong gods, even when we're living the wrong kind of lifestyles, God still speaks to us. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God speaks? I believe that he speaks. He doesn't speak audibly often, if ever, anymore. And that's a conversation for another time. But God speaks. God uses his word. God speaks through his spirit. God speaks through people and circumstances. But the question I want to ask you today as we work through the story is, what is he saying to you? What and how is God speaking into your life? What has he been saying? What is he saying today? And and what do you believe that he wants to say to you in in the days ahead? Because that's really, really important. See, for all of us, like Abraham, we, we, we need to understand that God speaks. And when he speaks to us, write this down, he has something better in mind. Today, no matter where you're at in your life, when God speaks to you, and again, whether it's through his word, through a sermon, through his spirit, through another person, through any number of of means that God can speak to us, he speaks to us because he has something better in mind for your life. That's always true. Again, and so we go into the story and, and we think about Abram, a, a man whose life was a life of no consequence. Like he was a nobody, doing nothing, l- living a mundane, normal existence until 
God decides to speak. And what does he say to Abram? Well, let's continue reading. He says, go. Let's just stop right there. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. He says, go. Some of your translations might say, uh, leave, right? But that's it. One word. God shows up and he says, go. God says, leave. That's it. God, God didn't take the time to introduce himself. God didn't, you know, uh, have a, a Q&A session with, with Abram so that Abram has ample opportunities to get all of his questions answered. There wasn't a getting to know you period. There wasn't this long runway of relationship building before God says, okay, I want you to do something. He shows up and he gives him one word. Go, leave. Now, I'm a bottom line guy, so I, I, I'm like, yeah. Like, I don't mind bottom line direct communication. As a matter of fact, that's one of my, one of my weaknesses. Sometimes, if you, you, many of you know me for years, I'm too bottom line with people. I need, I need to learn to have more runway with people. And hopefully, by God's grace, I've, I've learned that over the years. Um, but I'm a bottom line guy, so I read that, I'm like, yeah. But this is a whole nother level. Let's think about it. He tells Abram, to just go. Remember, Abram is 75 years old. Question, what are you going to be doing at that age? Ken, you're getting pretty close to that. Have you? <laughs> That's twice today. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to pay for that one later. But, but if you're 75 years old, you're probably not packing up the family and heading out into the unknown. And again, let's slow down. We, we know the story. We have to slow down and put ourselves in the story if we can ever feel what Abram must have felt. He's stepping into something completely unknown. God says, go, leave from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. What if God said this to you? Let's be honest. You would be hesitant, wouldn't you? I mean, after all, we have a good country, right? Not a perfect country, but we have a, we have a good country, we have, most of us would say, we've got a nice house. We have some good friends. We live in a town that's a, a nice place to live. We've got some decent restaurants. You, you know where everything is. This is, for most in this room, this is home. This is our place. God says, I want you to go to a land that I will show you. And this is huge. God tells Abram to, 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 to go to something completely unknown, to embrace, and we've used this phrase before, to embrace uncertainty, right? To embrace some uncertainty, and we don't know if there was any more conversation, it's not recorded, but I mean, if you're Abram, you would, you would probably want to ask some questions, questions like, well, where am I going? God may have said, it doesn't matter. How will I know when I get there? God said, I'll let you know when you arrive. Just trust me. God, God was asking Abram in that moment to, in a sense, to, 
to close his eyes and to take God by the hand and just to trust him, just to go, just to follow. And, and, and again, we, we have to slow down and, and, and see ourselves in this story too and, and understand that when you became a follower of Jesus, though you may have not thought about it in those terms, that's what you were doing because you didn't have all the answers. You didn't know what following Jesus would look like. You, you didn't know the, the call that God was actually giving to you in that moment when, when you were confronted with your sinfulness and you were given the offer of salvation and you responded in repentance and faith and belief. There was a level of uncertainty. So in that sense, you were closing your eyes and taking God by the hand. And the same thing that was required of Abraham or Abram in that moment, and now I'm going to probably call him Abraham because we'll see later on his name gets changed, right? Um, but the same thing that was required of Abram is what's required of you and I today, and that's faith. Faith. And faith is what? Acting like... So try to say it again. Faith is... God tells the truth, Right? That's what faith is. Faith is acting like God tells the truth. And Abraham, Abraham had to settle in his heart. Do I believe that this voice that I'm hearing is who he claims to be? And do I believe that he is telling me the truth? And again, in this moment, he's not a believer. He's a pagan. He's a pagan. And this morning in the room, in, the, in this room, maybe watching online, if you're being honest, that's where you're at. You're like, gee, thanks, Trent, call me a pagan. Well, what I mean by that is, is you, you wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus yet, right? You, you don't know what it means to say yes to a relationship with Jesus. As a matter of fact, because you've not said yes, to following Jesus yet, you might be in a place where your, your struggle is this. Well, I don't know enough of the Bible. I don't know enough of the stories. I don't, I don't know all of the answers to all of the questions that I have about faith. And to which I would say, that's okay. But the question I'll ask to you is simply this. Will you reach out and, and, and take God by the hand and say, God, I'm going to trust you anyway? I, I, I've got some questions, but I'm going to choose to follow Jesus nonetheless. I, I'm going to take the, my questions and my doubts and my struggles, and I'm going to set them aside, and I'm going to, I'm going to embrace following you with my questions, with my doubts with my concerns. Because again, put yourself in Abram's shoes. He had to have had questions. He had to have said, I don't have it all figured out. And that's okay. We continue to read in verse two, God begins to lay out what it is that he was asking of Abram and what it is, more importantly, that he promises Abram. God says, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. 
If you see that in in verse 2, several times God says, I, 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 I will. What is that? That's God taking the lead. That's God being the initiator. It's a lot different than how many of us live our lives. A lot of us, we put ourselves in the place of God, if we're being honest. And we say, I will work hard. I will do better. I will accomplish great things. When we do that, we're actually falling back into what we talked about last week, that Babylonian mindset. That idea of of, of it's all about me and my pride and my accomplishments. But God says, I'm going to do something for you, through you, Abram, and you will have absolutely nothing to do with it. God makes, in this verse, some declarations and some promises. And think about that. I've done both. Made some declarations and some promises, and I haven't been able to deliver on the second part. What do I mean by that? Well, I have made this declaration. I will live to see the Detroit Lions win a Super Bowl. That is my declaration. Thank you. Got to have faith. Do I have the ability to deliver on that declaration? Can I promise you that in my lifetime, the Detroit, the Detroit Lions will win a Super Bowl? No, I can make a declaration, but that declaration is simply a declaration. I can't back that up with the promise. But when, when God makes a declaration, when God says something, he can back it up with the promise. Because why? He's God. And so God makes these declarations, these I will statements to Abram. He says, I will make you into a great nation. And we know the story, but Abram didn't know the story. All Abram knows is I'm 75 years old and I don't have any kids. My wife is barren. God, you, you're saying something that doesn't compute, that doesn't make any sense to me. But if we understand God, this seems to be God's standard operating procedure. Goodness. His standing operated, standard operating procedure. That God, if you want to write it down, that God works through seemingly impossible circumstances to accomplish his plans. This is just who God is, and this is what we see God doing in Abram's life. And many of you have been walking with Jesus long enough to know that it's true in your life. That that you can see in your life, God has worked through some seemingly impossible circumstances to accomplish his plans. And some of you might now be in a place in your life where the circumstances seem impossible. I just don't understand how this is going to work out, God. Remember who God is. He takes pleasure in taking what is a seemingly impossible circumstance to accomplish his plan, his purposes, his will. He makes another promise. He says, I will bless you. I will bless you. There are about 80 different times in the book of Genesis where God says, I will bless you. God is good, and he blesses. And he makes this promise to Abram. The blessings of God 
are something that Zion as a, as a church, we need to remind ourselves of, that God is a God who blesses. That doesn't mean that he blesses at, at our, at our um, every whim and our every desire, but let's not forget that God is a God who blesses. And he says, I will make your name great. I will make your name great. And some of you are, are turning in your notes back to, to last week. And, and you're, you're reminding yourself, wait, Trent, did, did, wasn't that the problem last week? That the people wanted their name to be great and God didn't want that. So here's God saying, I will make your name great. There's a big difference between us wanting to make our name great. That's pride. That's what we saw last week, is that the people wanted to do something on their own, apart from God, completely different than God saying, I will do this. I will make your name great, not you make your name great. Scripture says that we are supposed to humble ourselves. When we humble ourselves, God exalts us. But he opposes the proud. See, the point is this, you can write this down. It's not the, the desire to be great that is sinful. It's the motivation for why you seek it. And I guess we could add to what is the source of it? Where does it come from? See, and again, I, this is consistent with things that I've said to us as a church family over the years. Wealth is not a bad thing. Wanting to be successful is not a bad thing. Wanting to be financially uh, successful, wanting to be career successful, wa wanting to have those things, those are not a, a bad thing. As a matter of fact, I've said this, I've, I've joked about it, but, you know, um, I, I, I believe it. I want God to raise up millionaires at Zion. Men and women, families who, you know, because, because uh, they have sought it and they've worked hard for it, God has blessed them with great success. But I want that success to come with an understanding that, that God did, that I didn't do it, that God did it through me, and he did it for a reason. It's not so that I could have more toys, right? It's so that I could have more kingdom impact, Right? So, so, that, so that I could have uh, more opportunities to invest in kingdom work. The same thing with power and influence. I, I, I want in this community to, to, to see you having influence, to, to have you influ influencing in, in, on school boards and influencing in, in other spaces and other places. I want you to have influence, but it's not so that you can get your way and get what you want, but it's so that you can advocate for the flourishing of others. That, that, you would give, that you would be elevated to places of influence so that you can benefit and bless and help and serve others. This is what God meant when he said, you will be a blessing. You will be a blessing. God says, I'm gonna do something for you. And one of the things that I'm not gonna do is make you a hoarder holding on to what I give you, keeping what I give you to yourself. I'm going to bless you to bless others. And, and again, I, I think that, I think I have to pause, and, and maybe this is more about me than you, probably it usually is, but I, I have to pause and, and ask myself the question, 
How much of a blesser am I? There's no doubt in my life that God has blessed me. He's done some really incredible things in my life and I'm thankful for, thankful for the opportunities that he's given to me. But, but have, have, I, have I somehow held on to those blessings? Or, or is my bent, God, because you have done certain things for me, God, I need to make sure that I'm doing everything that I can to be open-handed and, and to release everything possible to bless other people. And, and, and when I'm not living with that mentality, what's the problem? What's the issue? Right? And it may come down, and maybe this is just for me, maybe it has nothing to do with you, this has everything to do with me, all right? But I suspect it may have something to do with some of us other than me, but let's start with me. But here's, here's what I wrote down. It says that if you don't have a blesser mentality, maybe you've forgotten how blessed you are. It, for me, if, 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 if I don't have this sense of like, I, God, how can I open my hands and be generous with my time, with, with my, my mind, with my heart, uh, with my, my finances. If, if I don't have that bent of just being open-handed toward others, looking for ways to bless, to help, to, to, to serve other people, could it simply be, and it's not a simple thing, this is a big deal, could it be that I have forgotten? I've forgotten how blessed I am. I've forgotten what God has done for me and continues to do for me. You, you chew on that, however God is um, speaking on that one. Verse three, it says this, I will, God continues and he says, I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in all the families of the earth and in you all families of the earth will be blessed. So let's let's unpack this a little bit. God promises Abram protection. Right? I will, bless, I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors, I will curse. He's saying, look, when it comes to other nations, if other nations come alongside of you, partner with you, I will bless them. But nations who turn against you, who curse you, I'm going to take care of that. And we can see that played out historically. And again, not to, not, you know, again, we can talk politics another time, but that doesn't mean that everything Israel has always done politically has always been the right thing, right? But our bent should be to support Israel, okay? Because God says that we'll, God will bless those who bless Israel, bless his people, all right? And, and when I think about that, um, I think about my friend in elementary school, Danny Musso. Because when you were in elementary school at Barrow Elementary in the late 70s, early 80s, I guess early 80s, early 80s, when you were on re at recess, you wanted to be on Danny Musso's team. Right? You're like, well, I don't know, I don't know Danny Musso. It's right. Because Danny was a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger. He's the, the kid who had a mustache in fourth grade. And it didn't matter what you were playing. You were playing softball, playing football, playing dodgeball. You wanted to be on his team. You would be blessed 
to be on Danny's team because Danny's team always won, right? And God says the same thing. Look, you want to be on Israel's side. He says, in, 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 the, in you, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed. And we need to, we need to unpack this here for a second. Why, why would all of the people of the earth be blessed? Well, the nation that God would eventually start from, from Abram's family would see this, that God longs for a relationship built on faith and following, right? Israel would experience this, but also it would be a light to other nations. Other nations would see that God wants the same thing, faith and following. But there's something more to what God says to Abram here. When he says, and in you all families of the earth shall be blessed. What is that? Well, that is not a that, that is a who. In you, when, when God is saying to Abram, in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. He's actually making a reference to Jesus. Jesus was a Jew, right? And so through Abram's line would come the Savior of the world. And the Savior of the world would be a blessing to every family on planet Earth. And now would be a good time for us to take out our communion cups, and think about that. One of the challenges as we focus on this call to remember Christ's sacrifice is to make it meaningful. And so I thought today, right here in the middle of the sermon, as we read about Jesus, be a good time to remember Jesus. And if you're, again, if you're part of the Zion family, you, you know that, that we, um, we do this regularly. We don't do it weekly, but we do it regularly. Take the time to remember Christ's sacrifice, to remember the, his death on the cross. And so we're not gonna spend a lot of time this morning um, in reflection, but let's at least pause today as we read these words. I'll read them again. And then as I read them, as you, as you want to, take a minute to say, thank you, Jesus, that, that long before you ever came, there was a promise made that because of this moment, God calling Abram, that I would be able to be an, a, a recipient of this blessing, the blessing of your son, Jesus. So again, here's the promise that God made to Abram as it leads toward verse three. God said to Abram, and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And then this phrase, and in you all families of the earth shall be blessed. And that blessing was made real when Jesus came and he died 
for our sins. Let's remember his body. And let's remember his blood that was shed for us. And all God's people said, amen. So let's wind down. What was Abram's response to all of this? All of these promises that God, and here's a good word, unilaterally made. Here's another good word, unconditionally made. This is all God's doing. Abram did nothing in return to this point. He did nothing. But what was his response to these promises of God? Verse four. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. That's it. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. And this is why we refer to Abram, Abraham, as his name would become, as the father of our faith. This is faith. It's acting like God tells the truth. And in this moment, Abram heard God speaking. He listened to his words and he concluded, I believe he's telling the truth. So he left. He went into something that was completely unknown. And again, we got to remember the story. When Abram left, did God give him kids immediately? No, he didn't. It would still be years before that would happen. Did, did God give him land, a place, immediately? Mm -mm. Was Abram now, as a result of that moment, an overnight success? No. Study his life. Wish we had time to, to, to do that today and in weeks to come, but, but we're not going to do that with this series. But study, study Abram's life. See, in order to experience all that God planned, it required some waiting. It required some perseverance. But it all started with faith. Abram taking God's hand because he believed that God was telling the truth. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. I want us to read this as we wind down. Hear what the author of Hebrews had to say about Abram. Hebrews 11, starting in verse 8. <clears throat> By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah, his wife, herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man 
and him as good as dead were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable, innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. A couple of observations. Again, Abraham believed God's call meant that he would be led into a life of uncertainty. But he went. He believed that God's call meant that God obligated himself to seeing it through. And because he believed it, he went. He left. He believed God's call meant that his life was going to be lived to bless others, not just to be blessed. And he left. So this morning, I got three questions for you as it relates to to God's calling. Because I believe that God still calls us. I believe that God still speaks to us. I believe that there is something that God wants to say to us at times collectively as a church, and we always want to be listening collectively to what God might be saying to us as a body of believers. But individually, we want to be tuned in to what God might be saying to us. So I have three questions this morning related to God's calling, him speaking to your life. Number one is this. Where do you need to lean into some uncertainty? Where you say, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't, I don't know the outcome of this, but I believe God wants me to step into it. What, what kind of ministry, what kind of service, what kind of sacrifice, what kind of surrender is God calling you to? That you're like, I, I don't know what's going to happen, which means it calls for some faith, Right? But what is, it, what is it that you are being called to step into? Another question is this, what promise from God do you need to hold on to that you need to remember? See, some of us, we have, we have stepped out. We, we've begun our relationship with Jesus. We're tracking with God. We're on the road. We've heard him recalculate our hearts and minds. We've repented and we've turned and we're following him. But man, the road isn't easy. There's all kinds of bumps that you're experiencing. I get that. I get that. So I'm, I'm going to ask you the question, what promise, what promises from God do you need to hold on to so that you can keep walking with him, even in the midst of your uncertainty? And then the last one, how do you need to revision your life to be a blessing to others instead of simply looking to be blessed. Pray that somehow God would just fill this church family with men and women who've revisioned their life and said, no longer am I looking to be blessed. I've got my eyes outward looking to be a blessing to others. What does that look like? Or what, does, what should that or what can that look like in your life? I think those are three great questions to wrestle with this week. 
I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And Today, I, I would love the chance to pray for some of you who this message, again, we only looked at four verses, told a story, tried to flesh it out, right? But God's word, his spirit has connected with you, has said something to you, and, and you're not sure what to do with what it is that maybe he is saying to you. Well, one thing you can do is you can ask somebody to pray for you. And I'd love the opportunity just to pray for you. And so while we sing and respond, I'm going to ask Jacob and Matt to come up and, and if Becca wants to come up. And, um, and uh, you know what, Missy? I want you to come up here. I just looked at you and said, to have Missy come up. And, and, and I want you to pray for others. And, uh, and if, if this moment in time we can be a blessing to you by praying for you, then just step out and, and let us just come and talk to me and we'll just pray for you. And if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, that's the first step. Begin that relationship with him. And if you're not sure how to do it, again, let's talk. And uh, we, can, we can help you begin a relationship with Jesus. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. God, we thank you. Again, it's not just a story. This is history and it's a history that we're a part of because of what you did through one man, Abram, several thousand years ago. God, may we be men and women who trust you, who follow you, even when we don't know the end game because that's what faith is. Use this time. We pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and let's respond as God's calling us.